Welcome to the AK Strength Pod, Episode 4. My next guest is an individual who started training strongman up here in Fairbanks, Alaska with me back in 2017. And since leaving Alaska, he is the team captain of the Warrior Fitness Team for the Army. He is 2021 Clash of the Coast finalist and has just earned his pro card in the 105 kilo division. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Hughes. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Nothing too much. Just tired. <laughs> <laughs> you working today or no? I am. Uh, after we finish this, I'll head into work. Oh, but man. I uh been very sick all week, so I've eaten yesterday two meals the day before i ate one meal and then felt like crap all day Hmm. tuesday i didn't eat anything but like 11 crackers and still felt like i was gonna throw up but so i haven't really trained at all this week except for monday before i got sick was that the uh the video you posted uh no that video was from that was like four or five weeks out from nationals oh all those were, were, that was just a compilation of some failed videos leading up to national. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I, I didn't do anything. And what I did do on Monday was just nothing exciting. Just some strict pressing out of the rack and regular, regular old accessory stuff. Uh, so I guess just kind of starting out, um, just kind of talk about how you got into us talking to Justin saying it, it's funny how like you, me, John, Justin all kind of got the same start yep. at Laven from yep. kind of talking to Chris and just being like, like, Hey, come on and just try this out. <laughs> hey, you, you're going to do this. And it yeah. was like, I guess I don't have a choice. Right. <laughs> I don't know this guy. Yeah. Um, so like you said, Chris just kind of picked us all out. Um, and I was like, Hey, come do this. I think it was, well, it was my first summer in Alaska. So I hadn't really settled in too much aside from just doing work. Like my work schedule was busy, but I didn't really, I hadn't ventured out into any other hobbies since I moved up there. And so it was an easy yes. And I was like, yeah, I don't have anything else to do. Um, so we did that. We did strongman Saturday for quite a while. And then he was just like, oh, there's a competition in two or three weeks. <laughs> okay. Once again, don't have anything better to do. <laughs> so, so we did it. And uh, then from then on, I was like, this is really awesome. So I stuck with it. Uh, so I guess, how is it, how's it different competing in Alaska from down in the States? Um, well, for me personally, it's different for a lot of reasons. One, Work schedule is totally different and has been pretty much since I've left Alaska. When I was in Alaska, I was working way more hours. I was balancing all my army physical fitness stuff. And like there was actually sometimes months at a time where I couldn't train it. So it still was very much like a kind of a thing I did on the side. Um, But I didn't have work basically wouldn't allow me to put all my effort into it. So because of that, I, to a degree, it made it a lot more enjoyable because it was like something I got to do and it was less stressful. Of like, 
oh, I have to win or whatever. Like I, when I could train, I would train my hardest. When I could eat, I would eat the best I could. And then, but I didn't, I cut myself slack because I was like, you know, if I can't train for a month, I can't train for a month. So progression was a lot slower. Um, but I think the group was much smaller, obviously, like the population of strongman athletes. So that also made it way more fun. Um, like we pretty much always knew everybody who was going to be there. Um, we all got along well. Matt always put on a great show. Um, so there was definitely that comfort in that. Um, and then when I had to move back down to Georgia and made the decision of whether I was going to kind of stick with it or try like stick with it as a hobby is kind of like something I did on the side or like this is what I want to put all my effort into. One, yeah, by nature of that decision, it got a little bit more stressful. But also, uh, I was able to put more time because it was a priority to me. And then the huge variance in quality of like promoters and shows was also a shock to me um, down here. Because like you said, Matt always put on a good show. I can't think of a time that there was like a bogus show that he put on. And I don't know if I went to any shows that he didn't put on or at least wasn't involved in. Down here, I've been to some great shows and I've been to some terribly put on shows. <laughs> so it's just like, and then also there's times where you show up and there's like, you go to nationals and there's 75 people. And then sometimes you still go to a show here and there's three people. Um, so you just, you never know. You really never know what you're gonna get. But those, those were main differences, I think. And how'd you end up with the uh, the Warrior Fitness team? Um, so when I was leaving Alaska around that time in 2019, I believe, yeah, early, early 2019 is when they started. Justin was working on getting out of the Army, and then that came up, and he was like, well, this is something I might be interested in. So he did it. Like he went, he joined, he tried out, made the team. I was in training for, at that point, like two months when the tryouts were due. So I couldn't really officially try out anyway. But also I was on the fence and Justin makes fun of me because he knows I, I uh, self-sabotage myself kind of on purpose. Like I made it seem like I was trying to go to the team, but then my actions pointed otherwise because I was still on this like, no, I'm going to make the Army my career. Um, and so this isn't going to be great for my career uh, as far as an armor officer. Um, so I didn't go, but because Justin was there and we were such good friends, I stayed in contact with him, obviously, and we talked about it. And I ended up, he tied me in with Anthony Furman, who then became my coach uh, shortly after. And that was around the time that I made that decision that I mentioned of like kind of fully committing to Strongman. Um, and so they do this thing called, uh, what's, what's called an at-large athlete. So like I have my regular army job as an armor officer, but I will go to compete and represent the army through them. But like, I still do my other job full time. Um, so I did that for about a year and a half before I ended up this August. Uh, I reported to Fort Knox, Kentucky to be a full-time war fitness team member. Um, and I'm the captain of the team or platoon leader or team leader or whatever you want to call it but that's how i got here 
with the the fitness team, do you still have to stay within like the army regulations, like the body comp, or yes, or is that do. a little more relaxed? No, we do. Um, which is easy. It's pretty easy because like right now we have me and Staff Sergeant Bergholzer or Gabby Bergholzer. Uh, she's a pro strong woman, but both of us are middleweight pros. So it's not that hard. Like we're both relatively lean. So it's not that hard for us to stay. And because the tape test is so like, it's pretty archaic measurement. They just measure your neck and your waist and it's not that accurate. Basically, as long as my neck stays as thick as it always has been, I could probably be in reality, like 30% body fat, as long as my neck is just like, <laughs> which obviously I'm not trying to get to and that's not the case, but, uh, for us as middleweight now if a heavyweight came that'd be pretty hard um but also it just depends like if it's a heavyweight who's not necessarily super fat they're just very large and like their neck is thick they're still uh the formula is not that accurate whereas that same person got in the bod pod like they might actually be over the 22 24 percent that they're allotted but and then the rest of the team is just crossfitters so they're obviously going to be they're obviously going to meet it. And then as far as like the running and stuff, uh, so we still have to take the ACFT, which has a two-mile run. Um, it's a six-event uh, Army Combat Fitness Test. And that's not that hard to pass. It's one of those things that it's relatively new in the Army. It's really easy to pass, um, in my opinion, but it's really hard to max. And that's kind of the purpose of it. The old test was it was pretty easy to max. And so it started, it was so easy that they started on the extended scale of like 300 out of 300 was maxing, but so many people were maxing that it was like, okay, well, how many more did you do than the standard or whatever? Um, so that being the case as a, a heavier guy who doesn't focus too much on my two mile runtime anymore, it's still not that difficult to meet the, the standard or for that test. And the rest is basically strongman events. It's like sprint drag carry, medicine ball toss, uh, hex bar deadlift, um, hand release pushups, and um, leg tuck. So that it's not that difficult. We only have to do that twice a year. So that's we can always help schedule that around not contest prep. So it's not so we don't have to do it like two weeks before a competition or something. But when you say that you you tried out, is that something that they recruit you for and then you try out for, or you just say, "Hey, I want to try out for the"? No, so team? we're actually about to start tryouts again. We're working on the criteria, and they should be released by January third to the rest of the army. But obviously, you have to be you can be reserve, national guard, or active duty to uh, to apply. But the way they've done it in the past for strongman is you basically submit a competition resume because uh, like, like we've all seen who have competed, there's a lot of people who have really big gym lifts and they're great in the gym, but they don't compete that well. And like what our job as athletes for the team is we're, we're supposed to represent the army in a positive way and grab attention from civilians so that they could become potential recruits, right? So we're, we're essentially just a marketing tool. So if it doesn't really matter how strong your gym 
bench press or deadlift is like you have to be able to compete. You have to be able to represent the army at a high level. Um, and so we usually we focus heavily on the strongman, the competition resume, because that's usually what's going to tell us. And it's uh, the other thing is we need people who have done it while they were who have gone through that progression when they were in their normal army job to like we don't hire people straight out of basic training for instance oh you look like you might be strong come to the team like it's you're expected to be at a high level before you get to the team um and then for crossfitters we because there's a little bit different like their sports a little bit different so we kind of treat it like the open i don't know if you're familiar with the crossfit game open uh competition basically they will release workouts four different workouts you have three days to complete each one of those workouts you video it you submit it for um verification whatever the different whatever it is like time how many rounds whatever and then we review it and we rank everybody and then probably depending on how many athletes we have we'll pick a number like that top chunk we're going to invite them here to do competition and interviews but that doesn't work as much for strongman in my opinion because with strongman like if i'm competing on a show or if i'm training for a show that's in say this is in january i have a show early february like if this tryout comes it's like i'm not going to do a i'm not going to come do a max deadlift or some some event that's not part of the competition i'm training for like i'm going to train to win this competition right and you never know what part of someone's like training cycle they're in because right now, if I had to do the tryout, I'm, I'm right now. I'm the weakest I've been in a year, but that's just because I, kind of shut down and did an off season, you know. So like, but crossfitters don't really have that. Like, they pretty much can. They do like deloads and stuff, but they don't have total off seasons where they just stop training, or they stop lifting heavy. Like I haven't lifted that heavy at all in the last month and a half. And it shows like I go in and I try to lift heavy and I was like, oh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but like, but I know that's part of the process. Like, you know, we're not, we're not supposed to be redlining for years on end. And so because of that, for strongman athletes, we definitely hold into it. We definitely hold their competition resume to a higher, a higher degree. It's funny that you say that you guys uh, measure your neck for the military. Cause for my job, I have to get a DOT physical. Yeah. My neck. Uh, measured at 18 inches <laughs> and the doctor was like uh so you're kind of fat uh, <laughs> i was like that's it just just 18 inches yeah, so you're kind of fat. <laughs> i was like well, well thanks i, I kind of been working on it <laughs> uh how was the the nationals experience for you um i mean Obviously, winning is always fun. Uh, the experience itself was a roller coaster. Uh, so, one, the last competition I did before nationals to qualify was the Rainier Classic. Very well-run show. Uh, it was, like, big in the sense that it's like, okay, there's enough people here. Like, this is a really good competition. But small enough that it wasn't like, I got to wait three hours just to get through uh one event because of how many people are here which is more like nationals is um and then the one before that was clash on the coast which is the best run show i've ever been a part of in my life so because of that during the rules meeting i'm looking around and there's like 
it seems this number is probably off, but it seemed like there's 800 people there. And I'm just like, I looked at Anthony and I was like, I don't care if I podium or not. I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> I was like, this is absolutely, this seems terrible. Um, and I understand that. Like, I understand why there's so many people there and I'm not taking away from anybody there, but it's just like, wow, there's so many people. Uh, and then uh, day one went about how I expected it to. I knew Max Log was going to be probably my worst event, which actually ended up not being my worst event. But uh, I tied for third, which was a win for me, especially because of the people I tied behind, uh, or I, I was behind. So uh, deadlift, I think, was next. That went... I'd never deadlifted on the actual wheelbarrow before. I've been using that Stormex, uh Hurricane setup that I've posted before. It's like this crazy lever machine, and I stand on snatch blocks. So it's kind of like a simulated lever, or it is a lever deadlift, but it's not exactly the same. So I was a little concerned there. just wasn't sure how different it would feel. Uh, I think I got second on that uh, behind uh, Mark Jones. I think he took first. Uh, and then bags is actually what I did worst on day one, which is weird because I was crushing bags in training. Um, and I just hesitated on my third bag. I thought it was short. So my third bag, I stopped and I looked at it and it ended up costing me like three seconds. Uh, but I got all bags over, I think, fifth on that. Then nice recovery. I woke up at two in the morning in the hotel and my eyes were swollen shut. <laughs> And I look at, I wake my wife up and she was like, what's wrong? And I said, we are in so much trouble right now. And she was like, what's wrong? She turned the light on and I was like, no, turn it back off because they're super sensitive. Basically, I got super bad pink eye. I think it was from rubbing my eyes after the log that every gross ass man had touched in the, in the entire competition. Then I got something in my eye before deadlift and I was like trying to get it out like an idiot. Um, like I know better than that, but so I woke up and I just had terrible pink eye and, uh, Natalie went and got me every single eye drop she possibly could. Uh, she spent like $120 on eye drops and stuff because I was like, obviously I can't not do this. So we got a bucket of hand sanitizer, sunglasses, cause my lights were so sensitive, even inside. Uh, and so I was just doing all these drops, sanitizing my hands like every 10 seconds, uh, because the last thing I wanted to do is get anybody else sick. Like, wasn't touching my eyes or anything. Just had sunglasses on. <laughs> They're, like, these, like, $5 uh, Walgreens sunglasses. So, that like, they looked like I was, like, a five-year-old kid in the 90s. Like, these tight little cat-eye sunglasses that are almost too small for me. People are just staring at me like, wow, he's intense. And I'm just like, nope, I'm in so much pain right now. <laughs> I'm just in a lot of pain. But then I came through. It didn't affect me. Day two was my best day. I think I had uh, two, th uh, third place, a second place, and a first place finish. And uh, no, first on the wheelbarrow, which is funny. Wheelbarrow is the only thing I didn't touch in training at all. And that was the one thing that I won. Uh, the only event out of six that I won, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, and then the rest of the day sucked, even though I won, because I still couldn't see out of my eyes. We're trying to go celebrate at the restaurant with dinner with my mom, my wife, and a bunch of friends. 
and I'm just like hunched over like this and I'm like tell me when the food gets here (laughs) (laughs) um so that that sucked but like like it's not the ideal celebration you want to have after a win like that but I mean it was it was still enjoyable I had a good support group there a lot of friends all the athletes no issues with any of the athletes um which we rarely I rarely do but uh uh you know, sometimes you have you have an asshole or two that's there that you're competing against. But no, I mean, I made some new friends, and uh, the best part was Justin surprised me. He showed up. I had no idea he was coming, and I didn't blame him for not coming because it was like a 10-hour drive for him, something like that. And then the morning of day one, he showed up, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that was super cool. That was cool that he got to be there for that now do you need pink eye for the rest of your competitions? Is that the secret now? No. <laughs> People were calling me like daredevil and stuff because I was doing all this stuff, but I can't see anything. <laughs> and I was like, it's not a superpower. I swear I am dying. Uh, so how'd you get Justin to do your, your uh, diet program for you? Uh, I bullied him into it. <laughs> No, uh, so he said he wanted to start doing it. Um, I've been using, uh, this was last November. Yeah, so last November, I was actually in training in Alabama for like the whole month. Um, And up to that point, I'd been using uh, RP diet, which was working pretty well. But then, I don't know if it was a bug or something that happened, but all of a sudden, like there's two weeks in a row where my macros were like wild. Like it gave me like 150 grams of fat and uh, like 300 grams. Macros were all over the place. And that was right before I left for Alabama. And I was already rethinking like maybe I needed to do something more personalized. Um, and then while I was gone, that's when Justin started doing or started talking about doing dieting. And I was like, well, you can do mine. Um, and I'll, I've pretty much been his test subject since. So, like, he'll try stuff on me, um, see if it works, see if I get benefits from it before he tries it on his other clients. Because he also he also knows that I'm I know enough to tell him, and like I know my body well enough that if I implement something new, like I can tell him what it is, and not just like, oh, I feel like crap, and then him have to be like, well, did you drink a handle of whiskey last night and I said yes and he's like well that's why you feel like crap. like I, I I know all that stuff and, like too I don't think I could do it as well as him but I think it helps him that I could probably do my own diet if I put the effort into it um so I can give him better feedback than say probably a lot of the clients who are hiring him so it was an easy sell and uh we talk so much anyway that it's not hard for him to get feedback from yeah, Matt hired a nutritionist. Uh, her husband was in the military, she, and they just PCS, so now everything's like through Zoom. But mm-hmm. I was doing my own diet for a while. I think I bloomed up to like 268, almost 270. <laughs> and then that's like, as as nicely as Matt could, he's like, hey, let's trim you up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, why don't you? <laughs> not, not like your doctor. Not like right. your doctor. Hey, you're fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that's what what Matt's doing over there is cool. 
no, it, it looks. I mean, I've only seen it from a from social media, but it looks great. The facility looks amazing. It's awesome. And, yeah, he keeps getting new stuff all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, he think he just purchased an elephant bar. It should be coming up like January or yeah, February. This is becoming a. Those are, I still have never pulled on one, but those are becoming seemingly more popular. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people buying them down here. Like, obviously, they had it in the Mammoth Bar, which I think is just a different brand of the elephant yeah. bar. Um, I don't know. I might. Maybe there's a difference, but they're both just long and wobbly. That's right. Yeah, because at Nationals, there's uh, one of the events is Last Man Standing Elephant Bar Deadlift. Uh, um. So there's there's quite a few of us going down for nationals, and that's like the main reason why Matt bought it. But well, that's good. I mean, deadlift's just a horrible event to begin with. Well, it is for me now. Ever since I hurt my back last summer or last spring, but it used to be my favorite. Now I'm just scared of it. <laughs> I just have to walk, but I'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, I have 70 pounds to add to my deadlift. From now till June. You can do that. Yeah, just... Just stop doing everything else and only deadlift. Just deadlift. Yeah. (laughs) The biggest... uh, The thing that's helped my deadlift the most, especially coming back from a back injury, was core stuff. Like core stability. And not just like your spinal erectors and abs, but like rotational stability, um, flexion, extension, um, and keeping your your uh lumbar spine stiff and stable um and doing a lot of like uh suitcase carries but starting with heavy like not heavy starting with more endurance so say these are going to be arbitrary numbers but say i start with 35 pounds a a hand and practice going like 120 feet until that's pretty easy and then the next week um i'd maybe keep either keep the weight the same and increase the distance and then the third week i would go back to 120 feet but increase the weight does that make sense yeah because um, if you can increase that endurance through your stability muscles um because you're, you're not going to train them necessarily the same way you would train your spinal erectors or your lats and back, upper back for the deadlift but that one it made deadlifting so much more comfortable and less painful coming back from the coming back from the injury but I think it provided a lot more longevity and it transfers uh, transfers directly to other lifts like overhead and yoke and all the moving events. But I think that's something I see a lot of athletes ignore is because it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's even I occasionally skip those workouts or like those warm up sessions because they're not fun. There's it's more just like it's seemingly unyielding discomfort because you don't see it immediately. You don't get a pump from it. You just feel uncomfortable. But where you see the effect, the positive effect is a couple of weeks later, you're able to set a PR on beltless deadlift and like there's no flexion in your spine and like you just feel more stable. But that was the best thing that happened to me after getting injured um, is learning all that stuff. Did you just throw out your back or? Is it just uh, military well, injury? I threw it out in the sense that I had four bulging discs, and one of them was a circumferential bulge, which means it's all the way around uh, the L4, L5. 
and a piece of collagen from the disc had broken off uh, and was irritating the nerve root that goes down uh, the front of my right leg. So it was pretty, pretty fucking painful. Um, there was a couple weeks like it, because the nerve root was irritated by a fragment, basically a piece floating around. There's some days I'd wake up and I'd have no nerve pain. And then there's some days I'd wake up and it'd be three days straight of just terrible nerve pain. Um, and it wouldn't keep me in bed because on those days, it's like, well, it hurts whether I'm standing or lying down. I might as well get up and get something done. Uh, but so I, like I had an MRI and all this stuff and all the army doctors had so many misdiagnoses. They told me stop training never work out again, working out's bad for you. One guy told me nothing was wrong with me. Uh, then they told me I fractured my hip in the x-ray. <laughs> then I got a CAT scan and then they're like, never mind. You have a bulging disc. Just kidding, it's a herniated disc. Wait, no, it's a bulging disc. And then I got an MRI and they're like, okay, you have four bulging discs. <laughs> uh, so that was a fun roller coaster. And during the whole time, I was just writing uh, basically my own rehab through my own research and reading and listening to uh, like strengths back doctors like uh, uh, Dr. Uh, oh man, it's too early. Uh, not John Locke, uh, Andrew Locke, Dr. Andrew Locke. They got a lot of stuff from him. Uh, he's really good because he, he's a back doctor that exclusively works with strength athletes and powerlifters. So, like, um, to the credit of those Army doctors, they're used to dealing with people who maybe have, like, stress fractures or just people who are weak. And it's like, hey, I hurt myself rucking, um, and I don't want to have to ruck ever again. And so they, those doctors generally will – it's not often they get somebody who's like, hey, I hurt my back really bad, but I want to get better and go back to doing before. Whereas they're like, no, you're not going to do that again. And it's like, I don't think you understand what I'm trying to do. Here. <laughs> I'm not trying to get out of pain. I'm trying to get back to competing at the level I was competing at uh, two months ago. And like, I would say that to them and they're just like, I don't understand. <laughs> hey. Uh, earlier this year, I pitched a nerve in my neck, uh, yeah. where the, the nerve root, I think it's uh C C five, the nerve root is just, there's nothing there really. So it's just mm -hmm. pinching down on the nerve and the doctor pretty much was like, well, if you were a collegiate athlete, uh, we would tell you to retire. He's like, so let's get you into surgery right now. And I was like, well, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm probably better than a collegiate athlete. Cause I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> I was like, what are my alternatives to surgery? And he's like, uh, nothing. He's like, you just got to stop before you paralyze yourself. I was like, okay, so I'm just going to work out even harder now. <laughs> I guess I'm going to paralyze myself. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, I'll take that chance. That's what, yeah, they offered me surgery too. And I was like, absolutely not. No. Um, the neurosurgeon was more empathetic to my situation than any of the other doctors. But he was like, we can do surgery. And at the time... They were like, one of two things is going to happen. You either get surgery and you have a relatively short recovery. We can get you back. Everything goes well. You'll be back on your feet. If you don't get surgery, 
you end up hurting it again to the point that you need surgery in six months and now you're that much farther down the line uh, and farther away from progression or you do this rehab because I told him about the rehab I've been doing and uh, he's not a physical therapist but like he understood the science behind what I was doing and he was like yeah that sounds good on paper and I was like this has at least been relieving pain so he's like, so you could do that and you could just get better and never need surgery again. And yeah, I was in the middle of the extra stressful part was this happened right as I was supposed to move to Fort Knox to be an athlete for the Army. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of have to get better because the Army is investing this money in me to do this. And it can't be like as soon as I get there, be like, guess he's never competing. <laughs> so I was like, it's in the army's favor for me to get better at this like ASAP but uh pretty much everybody in Washington was just like well not my problem like that's your new unit problem which is kind of a systemic mentality in the in the military but just pass pass the buck oh I'm not gonna get in trouble for this issue okay yeah Um, but yeah it's crazy how uh how often doctors will just tell athletes of all kinds like oh there's no way you're going to come out of this and then somehow people always do they always find alternatives um yeah yeah. i I just hit a 300 pound overhead press nice um thanks so my goal was okay i hit 300 in july i'm hoping to hit 350 by the end of the year damn uh, that was my main goal. Um, yeah. So going to them, I was just like, I need to get back to pressing to where I was. <laughs> They're like, well, what are you doing right now? I was like, 120 pounds. <laughs> I was like, I I need to get better now. Yeah. That was, they did not understand that yeah. concept. And like, once you get, so that was my issue too, is after the injury, I didn't have any, or like, after it happened, I didn't have any like competitions uh, that I was like, oh, I have to be ready by this competition. Like, I wasn't sure if I was going to do Rainier or any other show. Uh, once I got injured and was like, this is a real injury, it's not like I, you know, tweaked my back. I canceled um, or I pulled myself out of all the foreseeable competitions that I was planning on doing. And I was like, I'm not going to let a competition uh affect negatively affect my prep or my recovery um because what i didn't want to do is like this was in june time frame i didn't want to be like well i was competition in august so i need to get ready for that because really it was like no i need to get healthy first and then if i get healthy and i'm ready to compete by august then okay we'll sign up this competition but i think one of the worst things you can do for recovery of a significant injury is like uh, put that added pressure because it already sucks trying to feel health, feel healthy and the whole time during recovery you're like am I ever going to get back to where I was am I ever going to get back to where I was is this my life forever now um, like hobbling around with a 35 pound kettlebell to stabilize my core um, and so I didn't start signing up for competitions again until I knew like I was on track and healthy to being better. Um, Cause like, 
the worst thing you can do is rush to failure because then you're just prolonging that recovery process over and over again um because it's like and i know it sucks to think but nationals is always going to be there next year that competition is always going to be there next year like the sport's not going anywhere um however your ability to compete next year or the year after or five years after that is what we have the ability to affect the most and like people tell me people do that all the time they're like back-to-back -back competitions all the time and they're just running themselves ragged and i'm like i really enjoy this sport which is why i want to be doing it in 10 years and i want to be competitive at it and i also want to be able to walk uh with my kids and like walk my dogs or go on a hike without feeling like i'm going to die <laughs> so like which isn't I'll, I'll be honest that's not the same mentality i had two years ago but i feel like it's i feel like it's the best mentality and you look at somebody like nick gamby who's at the top of the sport right now for middleweights and probably could beat a lot of heavyweights as well uh he's at the top now but he's been competing for eight years and i mean like at a national level of competing it's not like he did his first local show eight years ago like i think he went to nationals the first time in 2013 and i think he turned pro in like 14 or 15 and so that's why people are like oh how is he so good and it's like well if you do anything that long like that consistently and you keep getting better of course you're gonna rise to the top one day um and then you see a lot of people they their little blips they get super good super fast and then they fall off and they have injuries and in some cases they're lifelong injuries not not like being paralyzed but like their quality of life has decreased because of the sport <laughs> and yeah. at the end of the day this is a hobby and it's like i mean while i would like to make it not a hobby um it'd be awesome for it to be my sole job uh it's not worth like permanently hurting myself <laughs> right yeah because i we had a competition in september that i i already signed up for i signed up for like three weeks before i injured myself mm -hmm. and me having the mentality like okay i can't bitch out like yeah i gotta do it like when i first started competing in sports i broke a finger and i told mm -hmm. my dad i think i need to go to the hospital and all he told me was if i'm gonna bitch about it don't do it <laughs> so so that's like instilled in me yeah. he he was military post vietnam so that's yeah, you know, yeah. He grew up. uh so competing with one arm was <laughs> fucking terrible <laughs> like yeah. the last event was a max height sandbag toss and it's literally just kind of my right arm's doing all the work and my left arm's just going with the flow <laughs> that's rough yeah, I think, I think in, like, I was the same way in sports, and I think I'm still the same way. Well, I was the same way probably until this injury, because that's when it, the first time it got real. That was the first time I've had, like, a potentially career-ending injury. Mm -hmm. uh, like, if I, I think sometimes I was to go the route of what the doctor, doctors recommended, like, I probably wouldn't be competing at all, because... Right people don't usually come back 100% from back surgeries, especially when it involves opening up your lower back and drilling out the canals that the nerve root comes out of. Um, so I realized how seriously I need to take it 
and also that I'm not 18 and my body doesn't just regenerate every time I take a 20 minute nap. Right. <laughs> like, it, like it used to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 100%. And that, that's a hard, especially in the competitive aspect um, of like, oh, am I being a bitch or is this something I need to, or like, do I actually need to pull out? And it's just something you have to, it's a conversation you have to have with yourself and your, it's helpful to have feedback, but you're the only person that knows what your body feels like. And you just have to be honest. And it's like, you know, people may think I'm a bitch, but no one knows how I'm feeling right now. Right. Like, it's not like I'm taking myself out of the Super Bowl lineup. Like, it's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> like, would I play the Super Bowl with five, ten broken fingers? Absolutely, I would. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> would I do a competition, a local competition? Probably, yeah, maybe. <laughs> would I do a Mickey Mouse competition where there's mm -hmm. only one or two implements throughout the whole competition? I don't think I will. Yeah, I'll go and watch and support. But right, like, not worth these bad boys. Yeah, <laughs> is there for you? Is there a limit to what's too many competitions or not enough competitions? Like, what's that happy uh, medium? Well, I think it depends. Um, I think as you get heavier and heavier, like with weights, um. I think you need to decrease it, um, the frequency. I do also think there's there's a thing, such a thing as competing yourself out of shape. Um, talk about this at work. Because uh, I ask the CrossFitters that they deal with the same thing. Of like Every time I compete, I basically lose two weeks of training, right? Because um, of my water cut. Um, and I don't train during my water cut. Uh, and then my deload week after, especially if it's like a heavy, heavy competition uh, or multi-day competition. And if I do train that week after, like, it's not going to be real training. Like, I'll be what I call like bro lifts. Like, I'll go and get, get some blood flow and stuff. But, like, I'm not going to go max really anything of significance uh, that next week. So, I consider that losing two weeks of training. If I did a competition once a month, I lose six months of training basically so obviously not consecutively but that's half a year of not training so i think i think the frequency is needs to be scaled to the level that you're at um and also how they're spread out like if you can do i know the heavyweight pros like giants live like they do like a surge where they have multiple in like a three-month period but then they don't have any so like that's fine I think because you're able to stay peaked um, for a while, but then you have like a solid recovery and a real off season. But I think the problem is, is a lot of because there's no real season uh, for the amateur circuit. A lot of people just do them year round, and it's almost like they're always prepping, which means they're probably never going to get that much better. Um, and then also, like, I was going to do OSG, but I think my back, not my, well, I did tweak my back uh, after nationals, but that was, that was solely because we were training outside, it was cold, and I took too long of a break between deadlifting 725, <laughs> then I pulled it, and I locked it out, but when I dropped it, because I got cold, I just felt a shock through, like, the left side of my back. It wasn't, it wasn't my spine, it was, it was literally the muscle, 
and that's why I knew it just had to do was I took a work phone call and took like a 30 minute break between my last set, which went really well. And then I came in and just like blah, blah, blah. We were in Anthony's garage and it was like 45 degrees, 50 degrees. So, which isn't that cold, obviously, but it's really cold to be training in um, outside. And so uh, I did that. And Anthony had already told me after nationals, he's like, I don't want you to do OSG. He's like, you've been going too hard. Because I basically ramped up from being healthy, did uh, Rainier Classic straight into Nats prep. And I was prepping for what was supposed to be the world's ultimate medley or world's strongest medley. I don't know if you heard about that. It ended up get can- getting canceled when WUS had to switch the location back to Dubai. Mm-hmm. In September, for the 105s, the, t- the finalists from Flash were going to participate in the first WUS uh, weight class event and there was a very very heavy eight implement medley so it was like 320 a hand farmers to eight the order of this will be off but it was like 320 hand farmers 800 pound yoke uh like 170 pounds uh circus dumbbell uh 275 log like a 365 stone load um an 850 pound tire flip uh so it was like really freaking heavy so i was training for that and then that got canceled like two weeks before or while i was at the rainier it got canceled so then i was going for nationals and just going really hard and Anthony was like you just need a break and i should have listened to him imagine that listening to your coach uh but because two days later coming back or not two days later, the first day of training for OSG, I hurt my back. <laughs> just like, what happened if you are so fatigued? And I was just like, I hate you when you were right. But yeah, so, but those are all like really heavy shows. So in the past, if you're, if you're doing lighter shows, and it's all relative to your ability. However, just because I can lift these heavier weights doesn't mean it doesn't affect my central nervous system and like my ligaments and the skeletal system more so than it than uh the same relative weights to how shy i was three years ago if that makes sense like if if your max is 600 on deadlift your max is 600 if your max is 700 700 but it's gonna still take longer to recover from 700 pounds than it was when i was only deadlifting 600 does that make sense right so like as that progression happens over time you need to to be able to scale your competition schedule. Um, I'm on the first off season I've really had in my entire life. I've had forced off seasons or breaks for work, like those times where I was gone months at a time. Um, but those were off seasons. That was just me getting weak. <laughs> like me getting weak, losing weight. So like, yeah, it was a break, but also it was still a setback. Um, so having an off season has been really nice until this week where I just got sick. But it's nice to train um, still structured, but also be like, I'm going to do a circus dumbbell today because I feel like doing a circus dumbbell. And I'm not going to max it. I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to go home. <laughs> because, because I'm an adult. and I'm <laughs> You want to feel good after your workouts, not that you're hurting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I've like, been doing a lot of uh, bodybuilding style stuff. stuff. 
and it hurts like in the moment and I get these crazy pumps and I feel really sore. But then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I feel really good. I was like, yeah, yeah orders are sore, but like the only thing that's sore are muscles. I don't know. My joints are sore. Right. <laughs> the first time in years and it's wild. It's like, <laughs> is this what normal people live like? <laughs> Without pain. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cold, how was Iceland? Amazing. Uh, I would love to move there. Preferably in the near future. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was really awesome. We plan, we want to go back this summer, actually. Um, we, uh, there's tours you can do around the whole island, but we didn't want to rush anything, and we wanted to, like, soak up the places we did uh, visit and stay at. So we want to go. We covered most of the south side of the island, but we want to go back and uh, do the north side. And we've talked about uh, maybe doing a trip with, like, Anthony and Justin and John and going to do some of the, the manhood stones there. Because I didn't do any there. It was just me and Nat, and she was all for it. But then I thought about it while we were there, and I was like, I don't want to make this about strength. I was like, this is a vacation. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to go. Especially because I hadn't trained at all for the Husafel. And I was like, the worst thing I want to do on this vacation is drive three and a half hours, or two and a half hours one way to fail a stone and then drive back. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, so... We're not going to worry about that. She's like, you sure? And I was like, absolutely. I was like, that's not going to make or break this vacation anyway. But it was really cool. Got to hike on. I'll tell you what. If we had volcanoes and mountains and stuff like that here in Kentucky, I would hike every week. But we don't, so I don't hike at all. <laughs> <laughs> we hiked to the top of a volcano, and it was freaking awesome. I was like, if this is what I got at the end of every exercise session, I'd be the fittest man on earth. <laughs> yeah, it's on the uh, it's on the bucket list to go. It's, it's really awesome. They have great beer, so much good beer. Uh, food's really good too, but it is kind of hard to find non-Americanized food there. Yeah. Uh, well, not terribly hard, but like, I sh I should say it's really easy to find Americanized. Um, but it's not terribly hard to find, you know, locals local places how did you get linked up with cerberus um i met ken at clash on the coast they're one of the sponsors uh for the show um i had heard a lot of good things about ken and i had been using some cerberus gear especially i like i like using a lot of their stuff um uh their gym equipment and stuff like sandbags and throwing bags and and all that uh from the gyms i've been training at um, and then I met him because at the time I was just wearing, uh, I was wearing a whole conglomerate of different brands. It wasn't even like I was wearing, uh, like I had evolution stuff. I had SBD stuff. I had Cerberus stuff. Um, but we were talking and Rayman stuff. This is all over the place. Um, which is fine. Those brands are all good too. But, uh, after talking to Ken and after, uh, uh, seeing the other athletes that are on the team that are really respected um, and hearing good things about the way he does business. Uh, we talked about it. And so uh, ever since, pretty much since Clash, we've been working together and I don't have any regrets. I love the team, very supportive. Um, 
and uh, great gear, obviously. Um, I love the variety of gear that they have. Um, like they don't just have elbow sleeves and knee sleeves. There's like 10 different types of elbow sleeves and knee sleeves that uh, you can use for whatever the event is. Um, I don't like to wear my elbow sleeves throughout a workout. So I usually just wear the stiff ones and mm -hmm. I don't use them that often. But I like that because they provide more support while I'm wearing them. Because um, I'm already somebody who does it. Like, I would take mine off anyway. Um, and then the knee sleeves. I actually need to get some new triple-ply knee sleeves. Um, they're the, like, kind of stretchy-looking kind. Um, yeah. They're not smooth like the neoprene. I love those for my elbows. I need to get some for my knees because uh, I think those are probably going to be the most comfortable ones. But And then the belt, the soft belt with the deadlift belt. I should say the warming belt with the deadlift belt is my favorite combination I've ever used, uh, especially for medleys and stuff. I don't like wearing hard belts for medleys, um, and they're one of the only brands that, that offer that type of variety. Uh, like, obviously, Rayman has a soft belt for the warming belt. Uh, Evolution Athletics has one. But like they don't have all these different combinations that you can put it together. And I'm a big matching guy. I love matching. So red and black is my theme, as you can see. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I'm very, very happy. Very happy with servers and the way they do business. Do you get like a, a discount code and then get a kickback from yeah. it? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have that. Um, that posted up on my Instagram is a D Hughes. Um, but yeah. And then just some questions here. Uh, is star Wars life? It's not just life. It is the past it is the future and it is the present. Who's your favorite character and your least favorite character? Uh, uh. The second part is the easiest. Jar Jar Binks is my least favorite. Well, actually, correction. I often rule out all of episode seven, nine, or seven, eight, and nine. Um, because I really don't care about those. Um, so we'll stick with one through six and everything leading up to. Uh, we'll say from Return of the Jedi or. Uh, from Mandalorian backwards. Um, Jar Jar Binks is least favorite. My favorite, it's a toss up between Ahsoka Tano and Darth Maul. Um, because both of them realize, or both of them were betrayed by the orders that they served. And then they realized that there's no such thing as a team. You live and die alone. <laughs> no, uh, I'll cut myself off there because I could talk about this for probably 90 minutes. And this isn't a Star Wars podcast. But the I relate and appreciate Darth Maul and Ahsoka a lot. And if you've watched The Clone Wars and read their books, you uh, there's a lot more to those characters than obviously the the Skywalker series, the one through six. 
uh, gives them credit. Actually, Ahsoka is not even mentioned in the the original two trilogies, but uh, she's a badass, and she likes to live in the gray and then the in between. They're, her and Maul are basically the same. Maul is just a lot more evil. <laughs> What's your max deadlift? Uh, right now, it's probably like 400 pounds. <laughs> um, the most I've ever done off the floor is 737. Um, just regular regular bar, 737. Um, yeah, with, without a suit. I actually don't think I've done more than that with the suit because I don't think I've tried it. But, yeah. And uh, Anthony, Anthony wants to know, who do you think you are? Um, <laughs> well, I want to know, where does it kick off? <laughs> um, well, that's an office reference for those of you who don't know. Uh, <laughs> Anthony treats me like Toby from the office. <laughs> <laughs> also uh from anthony what gives <laughs> <laughs> yep that is the next series of questions in the series of questions of this scene uh what's the big idea and anthony <laughs> we get it you watch the office <laughs> and uh what gives you the right <laughs> What's big goals for 2022? Um, finals, uh, make the finals uh, at Clash, and then uh, podium at ASM. Um, obviously, the number one goal is stay healthy. Um, I don't want to do something this this early after like this early after turning pro that is going to set me back for a long time but yeah uh finals at clash so i made finals at clash last year so to clarify because that may seem like a not a new goal um last year i didn't even i mean my goal is to make it to the finals but i was like i'm not going to be shocked if i don't um but so this year it's going to be a lot more tough I believe we have international people coming in at a very high level. The qualification process this year is going to bring much better quality, um, or not better quality. We had great quality last year, excuse me, but much better, uh, much more competitive athletes. So um, last year we had a lot of people who were there that deserved to be there, but maybe hadn't competed in a while. Um, and Clash was like their way of coming back into the sport. So it was like they were good. They just had, they'd been out of it. Um, like Jordan Donaldson hadn't competed in a while. And like he's a pro former national champion uh, as well. But like he had just kind of stopped competing. Strongman was doing CrossFit for a while. And then he came there and was just like, whatever. Um, but now like he, since Clash, he's like gotten way back into it and he's an amazing athlete. But I think that happened for a lot of people. Like, uh bob schwantz he's another one he was in my group um and he hadn't been competing that much but since then like he's come back and now he's freaking killing it because he's in full competitive mode he qualified uh down in texas and uh again at 
uh, nationals. He was top 10 and he didn't train for nationals events like but twice. Um, so I, th I think we're, it's just going to be a much more competitive group of people this time. Um, a lot of the same people, but everybody's going to be much better prepared. Um, and then the international athletes, a lot of people that most of us haven't competed against, but like seeing their numbers and this qualification, some pretty good dudes. So I think make, making top 10, the clash again, hopefully top five. I think I finished seventh. So top five would be nice. Um, and I think as long as I come back healthy, um, actually this weekend I am sitting down and I'm going to go over my entire prep for that from here, from, from basically next week until competition day um, to see what that prep looks like. Uh, and then ASM, like that's a, I think it's the lesser for 105s. ASM is not as hard as it used to be just because not as many of the best people are competing in it because Clash and what Clash brings because obviously we want the money. But I think all 105s would be lying to themselves if they said they didn't still want the title of America's Strongest Man at least once. And I mean, I want that title. So, uh, and then OSG, we'll see what the timeline is. OSG is cool, but it's similar to like what I said about nationals. It's just huge. Like, I don't want to spend 12 hours to do a minute and a half of work total for three days in a row. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you go there. I haven't said that at nationals. We spend like five, six hours there. And it's like, yo, I've done a total of three minutes of work today. <laughs> Really, really hard work. Yeah, really hard work. Don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> why? <laughs> would you ever go up in weight classes and compete like in an open? I would love to. Um, I would love to weigh 300 pounds. Um, my wife would love for me to weigh 300 pounds. Uh, but given my, my genetic disposition, that's going to take a while. And I'm not trying to rush to it. Uh, like, right, long-term goal, if I was doing this in 10 years, I would hope it's still not as a middleweight, I guess I, sh I should say. Uh, like, I want to do this. I would love to be 300 pounds, but maybe in five years, like, I'm not going to get there. It took me long enough to be able to sustain staying at 240, um, just because it's so hard for me to gain weight, uh, which is an incredibly silly thing to complain about. It's not really a complaint. It's just a fact. Uh, could rather struggle to gain weight than lose weight. But, uh, yeah, like, ideally, ideally, I would love to be World Strongest Man, like, overall, non-weight class. Like, that is something that I would love to do. And people like Kevin Ferris and Rob Kearney that started out as pro middleweights, like, it's possible. Mm -hmm. But also, they didn't try and do it overnight. Um, just like I'm not trying to turn around and immediately – compete at world strongest man right after winning nationals it's like i got time it's not a race um but yeah i would love to do that all right uh dan that's all i got for you um, Sweet. well i appreciate thanks. you doing it yeah um, thanks for uh hopping on and doing this yeah of course i wish you the best uh yeah. hope this is off yeah i'm hoping I mean, if i if i make some money great if not cool like, yeah, it's, so it's a hobby yeah yeah if not, you still get to have conversations with a bunch of different people right. and your perspectives on stuff you otherwise wouldn't. So that's yeah. great.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the AK Strength Pod. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at the underscore AK Strength Pod and leave us a review and we will see you next time.